Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by my co-host, NFL Draft analyst, Ryan Roberts. Today, we are going to do another fun exercise. We did our superlatives for the offensive group on the last episode, and Today, we're finishing up with these discussions on these offensive players specifically. And I thought it would be interesting to share Ryan's favorite comps for six offensive prospects. And as everybody knows, everyone loves NFL draft comparisons. Ryan, you especially love NFL draft comparisons. I love good ones. I don't, I don't like forcing <laughs> that. But no, I mean, no, I, I think it's a lot of fun, Joe, because I mean, I, I think a lot of people think it's kind of like clickbait baity and it can be i mean some people definitely use it for like clickbait stuff but i think it's kind of interesting to be able to see shades of a player in another because i think that kind of can tell you what scheme they fit best what their what their kind of career outlook is stylistically approaching kind of how they play the foot play the game so these comps are obviously not direct indicators. Like I'm not saying these players are de- they're definitely going to have this career moving forward, but just when I watched them, just kind of flashes of others kind of, you know, just kind of went through the mind a little bit on some of these. Yeah, the comparisons can be a little bit obnoxious sometimes. Like I remember last year's cycle, there was somebody who who found that Zach Wilson was compared to almost every quarterback in the NFL. Because it's, I mean, it's possible to literally do that with with any guy. You could pull shades of somebody and and try to put together a Frankenstein if you wanted to. Well, well, do you remember the? Do you remember the David Montgomery Frankenstein? Oh God, wait, don't do even, that? don't even do go that? there. The, yeah, I remember the ESPN graphic where it was. Uh, that was that was that was the most atrocious attempt at doing cops. That was that's the the bad end of the spectrum, and we're hoping not to do that on today's episode. But we're going to dive in. We've got six fantastic ones. And Ryan, you certainly are excited. Uh, before we get to that, though, folks, I just want to tell you about Bet Online. Finally, here, the top teams in college basketball. Actually, March Madness tournament is over by the time that you're listening to this, or maybe you're listening to it right as the game's going on, because this is going to be posted at the end of the day on Monday. But with that, turning the page, there is still NBA action, there's NHL. And if you want to go and bet on all that, we also have MLB opening day coming up. At the end of this week, the Masters, the end of this week, if you want to go bet on these things, head on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all of your sporting wagering needs, including live betting in everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. 
Super easy to get started. So join today. Learn why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Ryan. So kicking it to a quarterback first, I feel like Malik Willis from Liberty is one of the more difficult players to formulate a comp for, um, especially because of how raw he is. And, and we don't really know what he can fully become until he re- reaches that point. But you've been pushing this one comp of him and Cordell Stewart, who is a bit of an older guy, uh, not really a recent comp. But why did you pick Cordell Stewart as as Malik Willis's comparison? I've seen some wild things out there for Malik Willis, man. I saw someone say he's the sawed-off Cam Newton, which I'm like, Guys, Cam Newton was 6'5", 250. I don't care if he's Yeah, Malik's not that big. <laughs> um, I saw another guy say that he was the right-handed Michael Vick yesterday on Twitter. I'm just like, guys. That's that's a- really lazy. <laughs> Malik, Malik, Willis is a, Malik Willis is a very good athlete, but he's not Michael Vick. Like, let's, let's just chill a little bit, right? I always come back to Cordell Stewart because for me, Joe, I, I don't know if you agree with this because I don't mm-hmm. know how much you actually remember Cordell. Because, like, I, I mean, I only admittedly not years. a lot because yeah. I was I'm six years younger than you, and he right. was probably prominent when you were a kid. Yeah, now he was, and I remember they called him Slash because he was a player that played at the University of Colorado and played quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he had kind of gotten into that little void where guys are like, is he a quarterback? Is he a a wide receiver? Can he do a little bit of everything? So he got kind of like pushed into that role, right? So he had played quarterback standard for a little bit, but then also he was playing wide receiver in spurts. He was in quarterback battles. He is a guy though, for me though, Joe, and I asked, I didn't know if you had seen him a ton. If Cordell Stewart played today, I mm-hmm. feel like he would be well received a lot differently. I think that he would be an unquestioned starting quarterback in the on the NFL level because times have just changed a little bit, right? And it now there's just more opportunity for black quarterbacks to make to have that chance to be a full time quarterback. Like there's not a, the stigma is just changing a little bit in that regard. So I envision what Cordell Stewart would be in the NFL is what I think that the peak of a guy like a Malik Willis could be dynamic athlete. There's no question. Not Michael Vick, like I said in the opening there, but a really good athlete, four or five probably type of type of kid, can make guys miss in space, really elusive, and he's got a great arm. That was one thing that people kind of underestimated with Cordell Stewart is they just remembered the slash part of everything, so he's a great athlete. Mm-hmm. Go watch him at Colorado, and obviously during his time with the Steelers, guy had a bazooka for an arm. He could throw the ball with just about everybody. There was some accuracy issues, just like there's some accuracy issues with Malik Willis, but I really do see just kind of shades of them because – I, I don't even have the, the size in front of me, but I know Cordell wasn't the tallest guy either, but he had a stockier frame. He was athletic, had a strong arm. I see a lot of what makes Malik Willis a really intriguing player in what Cordell Stewart was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. See if I can pull that size. Six foot one, 220. That's actually, Perfect. yeah, that's a pretty close comparison. I think it's the closest that you can you could possibly get. And, and Cordell had a, a pretty nice career. Uh, stuck around for about seven years. It says 1995 to 2002. Yeah, I definitely don't remember him. I was, <laughs> I was barely paying attention to what was going on around me. But no, I mean, he had that one year where he had 3,000 yards and, and 21 touchdowns, and then they eventually moved on and, and went with uh, Ben Roethlisberger as the guy with the Steelers. So no, I think I, that's I a great think, comparison. I think, well, I, I think he had a little back and forth with Tommy Maddox, if I remember correctly, as like the starting quarterback. And then they went to Roethlisberger after Maddox. But 
Yeah, I mean, again, I think that if Cordell played today, he would just be a lot more well-liked in quarterback circles. And I think that he would be get a lot more opportunity today. And I think that Malik Willis... From a physically, from a physical perspective, how he's built, from an athleticism perspective, and an arm strength perspective, I, I just see some similarities there with Cordell Stewart. So your next comp uh, for Brees Hall, we, we talked about when we did the running back. Oh no, actually, we talked about on the superlative show how Brees Hall makes the most sense out of any offensive player in this class to be the most consistent throughout their career and just be a really, really good player throughout their career. So somebody who rushes over a thousand yards and is a very strong piece to an offense and the rushing game, a, a focal point, if you will. And you went with Curtis Martin. I think that fits that description perfectly because Cur Curtis Martin played with a couple teams, Jets and Patriots, I believe. And in those teams that he was with, that, that was the role that he carved out was just consistency. Uh, wasn't, you know, like this crazy big time player had a lot of really good years, but I think that that consistency is what makes that Brees Hall comparison really fun. I think when you just talk about Curtis Martin, I don't think there was any time in his career where you could honestly say that he was the best running back of the right. NFL, but he was just always consistent. And I think he had the record, if I remember correctly, of like nine straight thousand yard seasons in the course of a career or something. So, I mean, he was just, he was just astronomically consistent throughout like you could depend on him. He had one season I believe I remember he had like over 1600 yards he may have led the NFL in rushing so just a really good football player for a long time I always felt like Curtis Martin was neither the perfect power back or the perfect speed back I felt like he just did everything so well and I know Brees Hall just I mean 40 inch verts 439 in the 40 I don't think Brees quite plays to that athleticism on film. I think he's a good athlete all the way around, though. You know, just to say, like, mm -hmm. I don't see 4-3 speed on film, though. For me, I think that he's undervalued a little bit because his style is very kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit. You know, great patience, reads blocks incredibly well, makes second-level defenders look silly in space, and then he's got underrated juice kind of when you get into the open. So I think that you're – Brees Hall is going to be a guy that I think is underrated at points in his NFL career, but I think that down the line you could just look back and be like, wow, like he may have never been the best running back in the NFL, but like you just wanted him to be your starter for a long time. And the funny thing with with Curtis Martin, I, I pulled up his stats. Like he wasn't he was somebody who from his first year in the league up until his second to last year in 2004, like you said, streak of over a thousand yards rushing, his last season with the Jets didn't play a full year, only rushes for 735 yards. But he only had one all-pro season yep. and only a handful of Pro Bowls in that stretch despite having like a lot of really good years. And it's just so funny to see a guy who is consistently rushing over like 1,100 yards every single season not getting those Pro Bowl nods. But that, I think, is a really nice draw for Brees Hall that we were talking about how he can come in, take the the lion's share of the carries mm -hmm. and be a reason why a team has a good running game because he takes over that lead and then just sticks around and does it for a really, really long time. Was I right on the number nine? Was it nine straight? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. No, it was 10. 10. Oh man, I was so close. So, so close. close. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that this one's a little bit of a unique comparison because it could be predictive in in a in a way, right? Like I think that 
there is a deep reality where Brees Hall could have a similar career trajectory because he's just going to be like an underrated, really solid, good player in the NFL. But also, I think just from a stylistic perspective, there again, Curtis Martin was a guy that didn't wow you a ton with just some of the eye-popping plays, some of the flash, but he just was so consistent, competitive, great vision, was just a, a – nightmare for opposing offense coordinators because you knew every I mean for defense coordinators excuse me because you knew every single week you could depend on a guy like a Curtis Martin and I, I just feel similarly to how I feel with Brees Hall so moving on to a receiver it's actually kind of funny now that I realize this Ryan that <laughs> I had said to you that I was thinking of breaking this up by position and you ended up doing it indirectly but yeah. for a receiver this is one that you've been pushing for a long time now. Drake London and Brandon Marshall. We've brought it up on the show before. This one makes a ton of sense because we remember back to what Brandon Marshall did early on in his career and those stretches where he was super dominant, like when he was with the, the Broncos, the Dolphins, that period of time where he was really good with the, with the Jets for that br very brief stint. And then he kind of fell off a cliff after that. But what made Brandon Marshall so good was his size, his length, his ability to make these uh, possession catches, his route running, those things are what Brandon Marshall excelled at. And that is exactly what Drake London out of USC excels at as well. Man, you left out the bear version of Brandon Marshall. That may have been his best year. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Such an idiot. <laughs> but you mentioned the Dolphins. <laughs> That's Did he not have a good career with the Dolphins? Am I tripping? I, I think he had one solid year with the Dolphins, but I think he only played like two seasons with the Dolphins, if I remember correctly. But. Are you looking at That's it my right fault? Now? But okay, go ahead. Uh, uh, okay. Make the comparison. All right. So I the the early comparison because I think it was Clay Helton, his his former head coach. At Wait, USC. he had two. He had two one hundred or one thousand yard seasons with the Dolphins. So that's how many not, years did he play with them? How many years did he play with them? Two years. He had three years in Chicago and had but the two years that one year was bad in Chicago because he was hurt, and then two of the years he went twelve hundred and then fifteen hundred, which were his two best years. So yeah, I am Joe. still an suck idiot. It. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Agree. Uh, the the comparison that was man, you're you're making me lose my train of thought. The comparison that was thrown out there early on for Drake London was by Clay Helton, and everybody ran with it. In my opinion, was Mike Evans, and I hate the comp. I hate it. I, I'll be very honest. Mike Evans is a dynamic deep receiver. Like he stretches the field vertically. He wins down the field. Great catch point guy, but also at 6'5", 230 pounds, ran like 4'5", 4'5", Like the kid can move for his size. So I'm not a fan of that comp at all. Brandon Marshall, I think, makes a lot more sense to me because Brandon Marshall was a guy that the physicality he played with, right? Like he just wasn't a dynamic athlete in any sense, but man, he was super physical out of his breaks, super physical with the ball in his hand and a really underrated yards after catch receiver. Brandon Marshall was man. Like he was, I mean, everything he did was just so physical and that's what Drake London does too. In my opinion, Drake London is a fantastic yak receiver, but he does it a lot differently than most guys do. When you think of yak, I think usually guys think of like making guys miss in space and manipulating um, second level defenders, doing all that type of stuff. Brandon Marshall would just bully you. And Drake London will also just bully defensive backs after the catch. So I see a lot of similarities with him. I don't think he's quite the field stretcher of a guy like a Mike Evans, but I think as a short to intermediate separator with size, physicality, and have yak ability, I see a lot of Brandon Marshall in Drake London's game. Yeah, that one's got to be 
it's it's not I'm not actually it's aggressive for me to say that one has to be your best one, but I think that's my favorite one that you have on this list. Hitting on with a tight end, Trey McBride, Colorado State tight end who has cemented himself as the top player in this tight end group, uh, probably going to be somewhere on day two. You went with a comparison that I would argue these days doesn't sound like a, a major compliment, but still is one. You compared him to Brent Selleck. And the reason why I'm saying it doesn't necessarily sound like a major compliment for a modern tight end is because Brent Selleck is kind of a uh, an old-fashioned tight end. He's not exactly what we see in the NFL these days where teams are kind of looking for a little bit more of a, a, a Kyle Pitts or a Darren Waller. But you went with Brent Selleck, a bit of a throwback player, was really good with the Eagles for his time that he was there. Why'd you go with Brent Selleck here? I think a lot of people only remember Brent Selleck at the end of his career with the with the Super Bowl with the Eagles with 2017, where at that point, Zach Ertz was starting to make the ascension as the best tight end on the mm-hmm. Eagles, and Brent Selleck was left more as kind of a second, third tight end along with Trey Burton. But when Brent Selleck was at his best, and I implore everybody to, if you don't remember him too well, Look up Brent Sell's career stats because he had a couple seasons where he had like 70 plus receptions and over 900 yards. He was a he was balling. Player. Yeah, man. He was a, he was a Pro Bowl tight end. Like he was a good player for a long time for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he was an all around football player. Really good blocker, strong hands, not a dynamic athlete, but a good athlete all the way around. And he can create separation. Now, the Trey McBride pro day threw me through a little bit of a loop, Joe, because I did not expect him to run four, five, six. Like that was a yeah. little bit nutty on that end. So maybe that, you know, undoes my comp a little bit, but I still don't think Trey McBride plays like that type of athlete on film. I think he's a good athlete and you saw him in person. So like you could even speak to the fact of like he made separation because of how physical he was. It wasn't, you know, the quick footedness of a guy like a Trey McBride, but I think that he can have a similar arc because I think that he's just going to be a really solid, good player in the NFL for a long time, underappreciated to a degree. But when you look back at what, what, Brent Selk was able to do with what the Philadelphia Eagles did, including winning a Super Bowl, he was incredibly valuable. And I think that that Trey McBride can also be a very valuable football Mm. player on the next level. Getting on over to an offensive lineman, you brought up Darian Kennard, the Kentucky offensive tackle that is expected to bump into guard. And you ended up picking his comparison as somebody who did make that bump inside the guard and for a couple of years was super dominant in the interior, Clutchio Semele, who I believe came out of Iowa State when he came out. But that one also, I think, makes a ton of sense because it, it can be tricky to project these guys that transition from tackle to guard and then have really good careers. But here you are going with Assembly for, for Kennard. Usually guys that make the transition from tackle to guard are guys that lack length or lack foot quickness. But then there's some guys that... and, and I mean, that to say, I don't, I think Darian Kennard is not the most fleet of foot offensive tackle, but he definitely has the length. Like he's got 34 plus inch arms. He's six foot five, weighed in 326, I think, at the combine, although he played over 340 pounds while at Kentucky. So, from a size perspective, you could look at him and say, he's got tackle length, he's got tackle size, and that's all well and good. And obviously, he wants to play tackle. I mean, you saw it at the senior bowl, he slimmed down just to try to play offensive tackle. So, there may even be some teams that value him. Like I've, I've talked about this a bunch, like a Baltimore Ravens style, a Tennessee Titans style. Like they might value him as a right tackle. I think it's possible, but I think that his best work is going to be inside a guard because the size that he has can be absolutely overwhelming at the point of attack. And that's a lot of what you saw with Kalecchio Semele out of Iowa State. He was again, 6'5", 335, 
he had like 35 inch arms. Like he was a long, long dude. And he actually, I think played a little bit at tackle early on in his Baltimore career with the Ravens. And then eventually moved inside for the Ravens and became a pro bowl level guard and then continued on in that projection uh, or that uh, productiveness with the Oakland Raiders. I think they were still the Oakland Raiders at the time. So I think that Derek Carr has a similar projection as far as moving inside. And I think that it's going to really do a lot of good for him to work kind of in more confined spaces because he's a massive offensive tackle right now. But I think long-term, he could be a really dominant guard inside. Wrapping us up with another running back, somebody who you and I are both a big fan of because we're both Notre Dame enthusiasts. Kyron Williams had a bit of a tumble throughout this cycle. The pro day might have helped him a little bit. And the cop here, I think, can put Kyron Williams into a better perspective. You compared him to Devonta Freeman. Devontae Freeman, sorry. Who, when he was with the Falcons, was really, really good. Provided value as a receiver. Was a smaller, more compact running back. But for anyone who remembers when Devontae... Of, is it Deva- it's Devontae, not Devonta. I'm, I'm mixing him with Devonta. I think it's Devonta. Devonta? Okay, you put Devontae so. with an E. I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to so say, sorry. I thought it was Devonta. But Devonta Freeman... In his when he was coming out into the NFL, didn't really dominate athletically in his testing, and he fell a little bit because of that, but still had such a high impact as a rookie and early on in his career. And I I really like that trajectory for Kyron Williams. Man, when when Devonta Freeman was at Florida State, he was one of the most underrated players on that team. He played with that like during those Jameis Winston, Kelvin Benjamin Mm -hmm. years, and he even played with another running back. I think it was Carlos Williams that played with the with the Buffalo that's, Bills. I believe that's correct. For a couple years. And Carlos Williams was the bigger, more physical, straight line, athletic guy. But Devonta Freeman was the best running back on that team because some of what he makes him special, you can't really teach. He's 5'8". He's 200 pounds, similar size to Kyron. And he plays with just like this low sever of gravity. But I think what makes Devonta Freeman – and Kyron Williams so good is that they just are so competitive, man. Like it's everything they do, they do a hundred percent and they have a underrated contact balance and they always finish forward and they break a ton of tackles. I also think that Kyron Williams is, is better in the passing game than Devonta Freeman was, but just from a running style perspective, I just love that low center of gravity, being able to just kind of turn out hidden yardage for a smaller back, just a little reminiscent reminiscent of what makes Devonta, what made Devonta Freeman a really successful player on the NFL level. And I think that Kyron's getting really undersold, Joe. I really do because, yes, he can be a third down back. There's no doubt about it. But I I still watch the film of Kyron, man. I'm just like, there's more there as a, as a pure runner than people give him credit for. He doesn't play like a little like a little gadget back, a little satellite back. Like he has some good – He's not Boston Scott. <laughs> no, he's not. Right, right. He's he's a guy that has good contact balance. He has physicality. He runs incredibly hard. I don't think this is a guy that is just a scat back. Like, I don't think that. So if Kyron falls in the right situation, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some years similar to Devonta Freeman because it's only going to take one team to believe in him. And I think that he has become very underrated in his class just because he didn't run a fast 40. Yeah, the, the stock drop for Kyron Williams – has been a little bit disappointing, but I, I really like that that Freeman comparison because Freeman had an impact, and if if Kyron can hit that, I think that he could be a nice piece for a team that is looking to add a running back. So certainly excited to hear that that comparison. That's gonna be it from us, folks, on today's episode. 
Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in to stay up to date on all of our content. The NFL Draft is coming up soon, so you don't want to miss out. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Rising Draft, and at NFL Prospects Pod. Talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.